book of Haggai as we get into the Word. Awesome. So I want to give you a little backstory on Haggai so you can appreciate kind of the scene and the context of what we're about to get into. So if you know anything about uh, Jewish history and the temple, so King Solomon was the great king of the time during his reign. After, into his fourth year of his reign, he decided to embark on a huge construction project to build the temple. And as he built the temple, the, the land enjoyed great prosperity. They enjoyed blessing. They enjoyed the favor of God. But then uh, as you read and as you study, you, you would begin to see when King Solomon had passed that the people who were serving in the temple and, and, and doing what needed to be done they began to kind of lose focus, that the vision of the temple had kind of died with Solomon. So you see that the people began to lose focus. And if you understand a great proverb, you might know it, uh, without vision, people what? They perish. So they begin to lose vision and they begin to kind of retreat from the temple and, and God's blessing begins to leave. Because how many of you know when you take care of God's stuff, when you take care of God's house, his temple, he takes care of you and he provides for you. So they began to lose focus, they began to retreat, they began to focus of what we'll see in Haggai, their fine paneled houses, they began to build their lives and their careers and their names and forget about building the temple of God. And so because of that mindset, in 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar, that was a fun name to say at nine o'clock by the way, uh, his army came in and crushed the Israelites and took them captive. And so because the Israelites were taken captive, they were taken out of their land, uh, the, the place where they were, Jerusalem, uh, turned pagan, and they were held captive for 50 years. Now imagine being taken out of your home, being taken out of the place you worshipped, not only taken out of it, but watching it be crushed. Imagine this place where we worship, we were overthrown, and the place we, that we worshipped was taken from us. It, you would kind of, it would be culture shock. You wouldn't know what to do. It was a big part of your life. And so they were taken captive. And uh, the commentary will say they were taken captive for 50 years. And after that 50 years, uh, God showed up on the scene. The King Nebuchadnezzar was destroyed. Still a little tough to say at 11. Uh, he was overtaken and the Jewish people were allowed to return back in and take over the temple. Now, when they went back, everything was in ruins, their homes, their lands, their temple. And in that time, they weren't allowed to worship at all. So they were never to able, able to have a place they could call their own. They weren't able to worship in their temple. So they were ecstatic that they were released and can go and begin to build the temple again. And so commentary will tell you and show you that they began with fervor. Nehemiah was still alive at the time. You might uh, understand Nehemiah. He built the great wall. So he took a group and began to lead. And they were able to get a foundation built and an altar built. Nehemiah in his old age had passed at that time. And again, as uh, kind of some opposition came along, they were in a pagan area. The Samaritans were in the land at the time. The Samaritans began to whisper in the ears of the Israelites and say, you don't got to do all that. You don't need to build the temple. Focus on your, your, you don't even have a home yet and you're building the temple? What? You got things out of order. 
And so all this chatter, all this pressure, all this opposition began to happen. And the Israelites began to back away. They began to stop building the temple. And you'll see here in a minute, their focus again began to turn to building their own stuff, building their own homes, building their own names, building their own businesses, all these kind of things. And what I want to pose to you this morning is we here at New Year's Eve as we close out 2017, as we step into 2018, I want to ask the question of what is the condition of your temple? What's the condition of your temple? Because the New Testament will tell us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we, every day, the decisions we make, the relationships in our life, uh, who we marry, the kids we have, all that goes into the blender, the big picture of building God a temple. And it's something that all of us, because when we think temple or we think Haggai, we think about building a church, and yes, that's a part of it, but how many of you know when you leave and when you die, you leave your body, but your spirit, your soul is still alive, and it either goes to be with him or your soul is destroyed. But look what scripture says. This was the mood of the Israelites when Haggai was raised up to get them a message to empower them, to shake them and say, the time is now. The time is now to begin to build, to, to consider your ways and look at the temple. This is what the Lord Almighty says, Haggai 1 verse 2. These people say, and I find this humorous and I'll share with you in a minute why. They say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. I can tell you the Israelites at that time had every excuse. They had every reason why that they didn't think this was the time to rebuild the Lord's temple. You'll see here in a minute, that's crazy talk because of the, uh, the lack of agriculture. Their economy was a mess. Couldn't connect the dots of here God's temple lays in ru- lay in ruins, and here there's no blessing, there's nothing's working. They couldn't connect it. And again, I want to ask you this question. If you see you keep trying, you keep toiling, you keep working, you keep changing, but nothing ever really sustains, just like Bree said, hey, you can make it rain yourself, and it'll last for a season. But there's something about when you receive the rain of God, that sustains you, and that lasts. Good place to say amen. amen. And so we see Haggai or saying God is addressing them as these people. Now, this is why I find it funny, is you read all throughout Scripture, and you'll see God say, my people. These are my people, that there was that heart connection. But God was frustrated at the Israelites, so he said, these people. And I was thinking about that, and I've seen some of you parents around here and and at our school, when it's 3 o'clock, they're picking up their kids, they're just full of energy and ready to go, Parents get frustrated. They're no longer my kids. They're those kids. So there's a similar feeling that God has toward these people of frustration. Parents, you've been there before. Say amen. And how many of you know, and the Israelites experience this, when you start to get serious about building your temple, when you make a resolution this year and say, I'm going to get up. 25 to 30 minutes before I have to get to work, and I'm going to get in my word, and I'm going to read, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to begin to saturate, saturate myself with the presence of God. You know, if you've been a Christian for any time, that there is spiritual opposition right on the other end of that decision. And so Haggai's like, how can you not know this, God's people? 
How can you not know that when you go to build a temple, when you go to do something for God, or when you go to make decisions of pushing paganism out or pushing the the works of the devil out of your life, that there's going to be spiritual opposition because the enemy never wants you to figure out who you are and whose you are, the purpose you have, the calling, the destiny on your life. And the destiny was so attached to building this temple. And how many, I want you to know, and how many of you do know, that our destiny, our calling as believers is that we build a temple, a home for the presence of God to come and dwell in our lives. That is, I shared weeks ago, the most dignifying thing that could ever happen or that you can wrap your mind around, that God just wouldn't put his presence just in a building or in the Ark of the Covenant or in a, a, a place that you physically had to go, but you can have the presence of God within yourself. And when we really think about that, it should motivate us and shoot adrenaline in our veins to do whatever it takes to get the presence of God within our lives. So again, Haggai's raised up to say, the time is now. And the word for you this morning is the time is now to look at your temple. You got a few hours before the ball drops. So let's evaluate our lives and make some good resolutions. What I believe the the heart of Haggai was and a principle I've tried to live by, and you can write this down if you're taking notes, is we always want to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Say that again. It's choosing the hard right over the easy wrong. You know, the easy wrong for the Israelites was saying, okay, we got a dirt floor and an altar. We have a place we can go and worship God. We got that done. We did bare minimum. God, we love you. Now let's go over here and let's uh, take paneling, some of the greatest uh, building material that you could find, and let's build our houses. We did what we needed to do for God. We gave them a place. But now let's build our families and let's build our business. Let's build our agriculture. So as I've said before, God does not bless wrong priorities. God blesses right priorities. And going into 2018, if you can say, Look at my temple, look where cracks are at, and say, God, come and patch me up. Put my priorities in place so that your hand would be upon my life. And so he's saying, you have to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. I wrote these down. It's easy to keep your sin a secret, but it's hard and it's right to confess and ask for help. It's easy to keep charging and buying what you want on the credit card. But it's hard and it's right to deny yourself. Me and Bree recently experienced this when you walk into a furniture store and you see where it says same as cash for up to 24 months and there's no interest you have to pay. It is e- it's kind of an easy wrong to begin to drift over here and say, yeah, we can handle this minimum payment. We'll be good. But then what happens is that that 24-month ends, you don't have the whole thing paid off they slap a 30% interest rate on you and you're like, I'm paying for the couch twice now. That's the easy wrong. The hard right is to say, you know what? We're gonna maybe do some side work. We're gonna save up for some cash and we're gonna try to do the right thing. It's not always easy, but it's the hard right. It's easy, as the Israelites did, to follow the crowd, but it's hard and it's right to be different and not to conform. And it's always easy to get discouraged. Opposition comes. I'm going to throw in the towel. I'm going to quit. I'm going to stop. 
I've tried to love my wife. I've tried to do this. I've tried to do this with my kids differently. And after some opposition comes or my temper gets in the way, ah, this doesn't work. The hard and the right thing is to be consistent and to stay with it and to trust God through it. So again, he's asking them this question. What are you putting ahead of God? They were putting their wants their comfort over their calling. I think we fall in that place a lot, that we put our comfort over what God is calling us to do. And so we have to ask ourselves, what are areas as we're building our temple, how are we putting other things in front of God in our life? So I want to look as we continue to dive in to Haggai. This is what he says in in verse 3, it says, Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. He says in verse 4, Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Other translations say, consider your ways. Look to your neighbor and say, consider your ways. Now pound your chest and say, I'm going to consider my ways. And so you'll see this theme throughout Haggai where he says, consider your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Because if we're going to build a temple for God, the choices we make matter. The relationships in our life matter. What we do in life matters. And I think so many times we flippantly just go about and say things and, and gossip about things and just uh, things all the time. When all of that matters because every day, every time our feet hit the carpet in the morning, we're building a temple for God. And so what are you putting ahead of God? What have you put ahead of God in 2017 that you need to jerk and do a 180 and change some things? So we see continuing on in Haggai, that prophet tells the Israelites, this is what is going to happen if you choose the easy wrong over right. Verse 6, it says, you're going to plant much, but you're going to harvest little. And as I read this and began to prepare, it just struck me. Because I've experienced seasons like this. You eat, but you never have enough. That's why you go to Cheddar's and you get big portions. You never fall into that. <laughs> Somebody said amen. You drink but you never have your fill. So this is saying you can drink all you want, you can get the buzz, you can numb yourself, but it's not going to fill really what's going on on the inside. You put on clothes but are never warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse or in a bag with holes in it. You ever been in that place? In other words, what it's saying is you're going to work your tail off, but you're not going to be satisfied. You're going to earn money you're going to feel like you're getting ahead in progress, oh my gosh, but you're not going to have any left. You're going to acquire more, you, you think you're accomplishing more, but at the end of it, you're not even satisfied. Anybody ever been, you felt like you've been in a season like that? And so this is where the Israelites were. And God tells the Israelites, the cure to this, the cure to your striving that's not really getting you anywhere, the cure to being the hamster in the wheel and think you're getting somewhere, but you're just spinning and doing nothing, is you got to build a temple. You have to consider your ways. You have to give careful thought 
to what you're doing. They lost focus over here and began to build their fine paneled homes. I'm sure would look out the window and see the temple and just say, God, in your season, you'll, you'll, you'll know what to do. God bless the temple. But they would never put their hands to do something. It's the truth. So they had all the lip service going right, but their actions didn't match their lips. And we can say, you know, I was encouraged at the 9 o'clock, I said, I have a lot of faith for you guys because you started off by getting up early and getting here at 9 o'clock. So your faith is high, and your faith is going to carry into the 11 o'clock to encourage them to come to the 9 o'clock too and stay for the 11. So it's going to be good. But the cure is to build a temple. Shameless plug right there if you didn't catch it. We see that Haggai repeatedly charged his audience to, to look at the current situation and know that what you're going through, the toil you're doing, the wheel you're running in that's not getting you anywhere is correlated to the temple laying in ruins. And so you have to look at your situations all the way from your finances to your relationship to your marriage to your kids to your grandkids, everything a Bible principle is it's correlated to how are you taking care of your temple. Even something as simple, you could be doing so much for God. You can be running and, and helping everyone and doing all this out, on the outside. But then somehow your family gets neglected and your kids aren't taken care of. Everyone else is, is getting take for, taken care of, but your family's being left out. And then your, your family is, is left in ruins. Or you yourself, you love to give, you have a generous heart, but you almost give too much, it hurts, and it hurts really bad, and then you're left, and you have a tired soul, you feel like you can't give anymore, and you're like, okay, God, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff for you, but it's the whole Mary and Martha thing, have you chosen to sit at his feet and allow yourself to be filled? He's also saying you're entertaining yourself, you're vacationing, you're eating out, but none of it is satisfying you. I don't know if you've ever been in the place you, you went on a vacation, maybe a spur in the moment thing, you didn't save up like you should have, um, and you went on the vacation, you enjoyed yourself, it was awesome, but then you get back and then you see the bill a few days later, and then you have to work extra hours and a little harder to pay for the vacation that you just relaxed, and then you get back and then you're grinding your wheels just to try to pay for the vacation where you relax, you're not relaxed anymore, and you're like, why did I even go? It's funny how it all works. It, it looks good when you see the commercial, but when you, when you have to deal with it. And so again, he's asking, are you putting your house ahead of his house? Look what the instructions are, and I love this, because serving God is simple. It's not complicated. It's not algebra. It's not this tough thing you have to try to figure out. It's understanding your identity. It's underst if they would have not forgot their identity, and known what their purpose was, they would have never neglected the temple. I think so many times we neglect our temple because we forget what our purpose is or we forget what our identity is, that, man, I'm a son and daughter of God. And I have purpose that goes beyond this earth but into eternity. So look, this is what he says again. Again, you hear this word. He says, give careful thought to your ways. Verse 7. Here's what he says. He says, go up into the mountain, bring down the timber, and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. At the end of our lives, we want to hear in Scripture what Jesus said, well done, good and faithful servant. 
I'm telling you, when you follow his word, that's a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. At the end of your life, God is going to take pleasure in the temple that you build for him. There might be some nicks, some scars, some bruises, some mess ups, but he's going to take pleasure in it because your heart was to keep moving forward. We're going to make mistakes along the way, but his grace is always there to pick us back up. And that scar that is on your temple is going to remind you, I'm not going to make that decision again because I saw where that got me. That's how good the grace of God is. So he says, here's the instructions. Steps one, two, and three. Go up to the mountain, bring down the timber, and build the temple. So many times when we're serving God or we're dreaming for our lives, we're always looking over at the end product. We're looking at steps four, five, and six. I think the Israelites were. Again, they were sitting in their comfy houses. It was warm, and they were gazing at the temple and just praying for it. Oh, someone else will do it. So many times we think, if I can just get to this conference, if I can just get this person to pray for me, no. That might be steps four, five, and six, but what are you doing on a daily basis to posture yourself to hear and receive from God? And so we see Haggai is saying, you got to go back to the basics, baby. And you have to go up to the mountain, bring down the timber, and build the house. Now, going up to the mountain, because serving God, it's simple, but it still takes work. It takes work to get the kids in the car, get to church, to receive from God. It takes work to get up early or or block out time in your day to get in your word. And there's always a cost attached to growing in God, but it's always so worth it. So we see steps one, two, and three. He's, He's reminding them, hey, you have to go up to the mountain. And again, the cost factor, going up to the mountain at that time would not be easy. You would Uh, saddle up your donkey, and you would take a long walk early in the morning up to the mountain. You would begin cutting timber all day. You're tired. You're sore. You would put what little timber you could cut, and you would walk it all the way back down to the mountain, and then you would repeat, and then again, and then repeat until you had enough wood to be able to begin to build the temple. So he's taking them back to the basics is you can't neglect going up to the mountain bringing down the timber, and building the house. You cannot expect this to happen over here if you neglect that over there. Yes. You know, many of us, we, the top 10 New Year's resolutions of Time Magazine, if you are to Google it and look at it, several of them would be losing weight. You've all have big expectations. Many of you will be going out and buying expensive equipment the first of the year with great hopes to lose weight. And then you kind of go into some debt, and then you'll be selling it a few months in to pay off that debt you just got because of all that. We know how New Year's resolutions work. And so we think about it. We always have good intentions. We always try to do what needs to be done. But you have to stay to the basics of it. You have to stay to the simplicity of it. You know, if you want God to, to move, say, in your job, There's basics of it. You can pray and you can wish, but how many of you know if you go old school and say, you know what, I'm going to get to work five minutes early and I'm going to show my boss I'm serious that I'm not just on time, but I'm early because being early really is being on time. And so there's things that you do, steps one, two, and three in order to get four, five, and six because you could keep showing up right when you need to be there, do the bare minimum, trust God, believe God. But if you never take the simplicity of it, and go up to the mountain, bring down the timber, and build the house, you're never going to get to where you're imagining or where you're dreaming or praying or in faith to get. Just like your finances, to get them in order, 
you have to take the baby steps. You enroll yourself in Financial Peace University. You get to know what the baby steps are. You can't get the baby step number six unless you do baby step number one. First, you got to stop the bleeding. Get the high interest cards off of you. Stop spending it on, you know, whatever happened to the principal, if you don't have it, you don't spend it. Unfortunately, we live in a world that just crams credit down our throats. But it's taking the baby steps and not forgetting it. And that's what the people, the Israelites in the book of Haggai, they neglected that and they forgot it. And because of that, the temple lied in ruins. I want you, I want you to look at Haggai 9 through 11, verse 1, 9 through 11, if, Bri, if you would come. Look what it says. It says, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. This is scary. Because this is God saying, hey, I'm, in New King James Version, I am chastising you. I am bringing you and going to chastise you and pull you in, rein you in, strip everything out of your life so that you can get refocused. And we don't like to talk about the chastisement of the Lord, but it's the very thing that can change us. And again, and as we end 2017, we have to allow God to wake us up. How God wakes us up, you read through scripture, so many times we wish he could just drop a love bomb on us and it would work that way. But he usually chastises us because he loves us. If your parents never chastised you as a child or disciplined you, then you would have paid for it in the long run. They could have loved, chastisement is love. That's what you have to remember. And so he says, what you brought home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their due. My prayer is, God, never allow heaven's due to be withhold from me. And the earth, its crops. And then you see he called for a drought on the field. So he made sure they knew you cannot neglect going up to the mountain, cutting the timber, building the house, and expect everything just to happen. So many times we think God's got it. He's got me. I'm good. But there's something about intentionality where we're intentional and we say, God, I'm going to pursue you today on purpose, or I'm going to pray this way today on purpose. What we see again through Haggai is choosing the hard right over the easy wrong. And the way to get started is to quit talking and start doing. Quit talking and start doing. And what you'll see through commentary, because the Israelites, God out of his love chastised them, brought them back into focus. Because of that, because the chastisement, this is where it brings us. And this is where I want us to begin to go here this morning. Is when we evaluate our lives, when we look at the temple and there's areas of our lives that lie in ruins. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe to everyone else your marriage looks good or your relationships look good. But deep down, you know it ain't good. It's getting past the facade. It's getting past the fakeness. It's getting past saying, well, we have a dirt floor and an altar, so we have a temple. But God has more for your life. God wants to do more in your life. It's not, and what do we say in our Holy Spirit series? You should get this by now because I bring it up often. It's not asking for more of the Holy Spirit. It's saying, Holy Spirit, you can have more of me. This is... 101 to building God a temple. 
And again, Haggai was raised up. Sometimes we need the spirit of Haggai to be raised up in our lives to shake us and say, hey, the reason you're putting uh, money in your bags and it's going out through holes, the reason you're putting clothes on and you're still not getting warm, the reason you're eating and never filled, even the reason you've gone so far to drink your problems away and it's not even numbing you anymore. It's because my temple lies in ruins. I just want to pray with you for a moment. If you bow your heads. Father, I thank you that you have great purpose for each and every one sitting here this morning. God, we invite the spirit of Haggai into our lives to shake us, to begin to show us where the holes are in our life. God, we invite the divine physician of the Holy Spirit to come and patch us up. We thank you that what happens after you discipline us, God, what you do is then you renew us. When we repent and we fall on our knees and say, have mercy on me, a sinner, power and grace comes into our life where we can get back on track and we can begin to build the temple. God, we thank you as we continue on in the next few weeks. We're going to see how to persevere through discouragement. We're going to see the blessings of obedience. God, we thank you that there is blessing on the other side of our obedience. God, we want to be obedient to you this morning. I pray right now while we're praying, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal things to each and every individual. Where's the cracks? Where's the places in our temple that lies in ruin? Maybe it's a finance, it's a marriage, it's a relationship. Maybe there's an apology that needs to happen in an area of our life. Maybe a, a word of appreciation to somebody. We thank you that you mend what's broken, that you bring healing into our brokenness. I pray that heaven would open up and invade our lives right now and bring healing to where we need it in Jesus' name. Father, we know that obedience is our job the outcome is up to you. We just want to be obedient and build the temple. We want to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. So in the name of Jesus, I pray on New Year's Eve that you would reveal areas of our lives. We want to get real with you. We want 2018 not just to be fleeting resolutions in our lives, but we want to experience transformational Holy Ghost power that changes us from the inside out. We want daily divine invasions to happen in our life. So Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you're doing in this season and what you're going to do in the lives of those in this church. And I pray for those watching live online right now that divine invasions are happening in your life and God's going to move and touch and begin to raise up a spirit of Haggai to bring you to a place of repentance and to begin to show you that there's renewal on the other side of your repentance in Jesus' name. So Holy Spirit, we love you and we honor you in this moment and we thank you for what you're gonna do in 2018. And all God's people said, amen. Amen, amen. amen. would you give God a hand? Amen. The time is now. The time is now.